from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Hello, it's Tuesday, September the 6th. 2022. And it's good to be back with you here on Washington Watch. My thanks to Joseph Backholm for filling in for me as I took some time off and unplugged from the important but still temporal issues that we face today. But I'm back and I'm ready to go as we're moving into what I believe is going to be a defining time for our nation. And we're going to start off today coming up with this. We're a serious moment in our nation history. And it's not hyper. I mean it from the bottom of my heart. As I said last week, we remain in the battle for the soul of America. That was President Joe Biden yesterday at a political rally in Milwaukee, where he continued his attack on conservatives that began last week in Philadelphia. Now, a poll released today by the Trafalgar Group shows that I'm not alone in my assessment of the president's speech. 56.8% of Americans say President Biden's speech is a dangerous escalation in rhetoric designed to incite conflict. We're going to talk about that with Georgia Congressman Jody Heiss in just a moment. Also, President Biden's erasure of student loan debt was a big hit with his base. But what about all of those Americans who paid their own way through school and now have to work to pay the $300 billion debt that the president just created? We're going to talk about that as well. And with the August recess now over and Congress on their way back, what can we expect as we move into the fall and toward the election? We'll talk with Travis Weber, Vice President of Policy and Government Affairs here at the Family Research Council. Last week, the Biden administration was holding up California as a model when the California Air Resources Board voted to eliminate the sale of gasoline-powered cars. Do you think what California is doing could or should be a national model? Could be, could be. I mean, I, you know, I know every state is different, and you always have to respect what the states are doing. But uh, I do think that once people, I mean, California has gotten more used to electric vehicles, uh, and we have to bring down the price of electric vehicles so that everybody can access them. And this is why it's uh, great that there's a $4,000 tax credit, for example, on used electric vehicles that has just been adopted through the Inflation Reduction Act. That was President Biden's Secretary of Energy, Jennifer Granholm, uh, may also should have included tennis shoes in that uh, debt reduction or that inflation reduction, because uh, a lot of people are going to be walking. You know, those who currently have electric cars in California are now being told not to plug them in as California is facing its highest chance of electrical blackouts they've seen all summer as a heat wave dries up the demand for energy. Now, is it just me, or does this lack a bit of common sense? It looks like they're getting the cart before the horse. Actually, we may all need horses before they're finished. We're going to talk about this with former California Assemblyman Chuck DeVore later here on Washington Watch. The website, TonyPerkins.com, lots of resources there for you. Also visit The Stand, The Washington Stand, The Washington Stand. Great resource for news and information from a biblical perspective. The word for today coming from our Stand on the Word Bible reading plan is Proverbs chapter 10, verses 10 and 11. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. A rich man's wealth is his strong city and like a high wall in his imagination. Now, don't miss this. What a tremendous source of strength and comfort to know that the Lord, who is synonymous with his name, is a protector of the righteous who run to or trust in him. By contrast, the man who has everything he needs 
doesn't think he needs to trust in the Lord because he is relying upon his wealth and his ability. is actually trusting in an imaginary wall. Let the Lord be your strong tower, your defense. I invite you to join us in our journey through the Bible. To find out more, go to TonyPerkins.com. You can also join me each weekday morning for a short devotional based upon the daily reading. Again, that can be found at TonyPerkins.com. By the way, coming up next week, that's right, next week is our annual Pray, Vote, Stand Summit. This year, it will be held in Atlanta, Georgia at the First Baptist Church. The summit begins Wednesday night, September the 14th, and it will end Friday night. As we are going to discuss in just a moment, we are in a battle for the soul of America. And now is the time for followers of Jesus Christ to come together to pray for our nation, to stand collectively for biblical truth, and to pledge to vote for those who will uphold those biblical values. And I want to, enjoy, I want to invite you to join us there. Now, there's still space, but it is beginning to fill up quickly. So on Friday, this Friday, I'm going to have an electronic drawing for a complimentary family pass to this year's Pray, Vote, Stand Summit. So to register, this is what you need to do. To register for the drawing, text the word SUMMIT to 67742. That's the word SUMMIT to 67742, and you will be registered to win a complimentary pass for your entire family. Again, text the word SUMMIT to 67742. Now, some of you may have watched this, and we, as I often say, we do, so you don't have to. But last Thursday night, President Biden went on the attack with a speech that had a president had President Trump given. The media would have come unhinged. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. Now, what are these mega Republicans doing? Mega Republicans do not respect the Constitution. They do not believe in the rule of law. They do not recognize the will of the people. Mega forces are determined to take this country backwards, backwards to an America where there is no right to choose, no right to privacy, no right to contraception, no right to marry who you love. They promote authoritarian leaders, and they fan the flames of political violence that are a threat to our personal rights, to the pursuit of justice, to the rule of law, to the very soul of this country. Now, on the front end and the back end, it sounds like Joe Biden was describing the Democratic Party. But at the heart there, we begin to see what he's talking about. It, it's, it's the left's radical social policy of abortion on demand through all nine months of pregnancy, paid for by you. It's the, the indoctrination of our children in our public schools, paid for with your tax dollars, with their radical sexual ideology. We're opposed to that. And so that makes us mega Republicans that are against the Constitution. I, 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 I fail to see... Uh, his logic. We are the ones defending the Constitution. But never mind that. This was an attack whistle that was not missed by Democratic activists. 
We are at war with these people. These folks are evil. They have allowed evil into their house with Donald Trump. He has now dominated the party. This evil is spreading. And when you are in a war footing, you have to respond accordingly. It's about time President Joe Biden decide to get tough. That was uh, the Reverend Roland Martin, uh, who is a uh, commentator for the left. But the Republicans have also responded, including my next guest, who called the president's address a muddled rant that declared war on American citizens. Joining me now to discuss the president's speech and more is Congressman Jody Heiss. He serves on the House Committee on Oversight and Reform, the House Committee on National Natural Resources. He represents Georgia's 10th Congressional District. Congressman Heiss, welcome back to the program. Always great to be with you, Tony. Thanks. Let me, I mean, look, uh, you've been in the political arena now for, for quite some time. You're accustomed to the, to the rhetoric. But the whole setting of the president's speech last week, his comments, his attack on half of the country, uh, frankly, is alarming. It's, it's extremely alarming. It's disturbing. It's, uh, if someone is incapable of watching this and not being chilled to the core of their being, there's something wrong uh, with those individuals. This is America, and here is a president who promised to unify our country and is doing everything just the opposite. He is deliberately attacking at least 50% of the voters in this country, calling us threats to democracy threats, which, by the way, we are a republic, not a democracy. But nonetheless, he is attacking us as being threats to the very foundation of our country, uh, haters, violent people, uh, disrespectful of our Constitution and the rule of law. Nothing, nothing could be further from the truth. I mean, look, here's an administration who is keeping wide open the borders against our Constitution. Here's an administration that is attacking religious liberties for those who believe in life uh, and those who believe in traditional marriage, and and they are under attack for those beliefs. Here's an administration, like I said, that's keeping the borders open. That that, that just, what, two weeks ago, this president himself unilaterally, without constitutional authority, forgave federal student loans. Even Nancy Pelosi said he has no authority— constitutionally to do so. I mean, we could go on and on and on. The Democratic Party, unfortunately, has become masters at accusing others of the very thing that they themselves are guilty of. And I believe these most recent speeches from the president have highlighted that reality. You know, part of the point that you made in your response to the president's address last Thursday night is is not what he was saying, but what he was not saying. You know, as he's focused on half of America who does not support his radical agenda, we've got China that is beating the war drums. We've got an open border in which chaos reigns. We have skyrocketing inflation, and the list goes on. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, you you listen to what a person says, but you also listen to what a person does not say. And in this case, we have the, the administration Uh, with one crisis after another, from the economic crisis, the inflation crisis, the energy crisis, uh, the border crisis, the crime crisis, uh, China, as you mentioned, national security across the board, uh, one crisis after another, not even mentioned. It's just unthinkable that uh, all this president can do 
is attack conservatives and attack former President Trump and not address the real issues that this country is facing. I want to play another clip, a short clip, and we're going to be coming up on a break here in just a moment. But uh, what I saw in the president's speech was projecting, projecting what the Democrats have been doing for the last three years, what they believe in, but projecting it onto Republicans to try to marginalize and demonize them. Play clip number six, please. We can't allow violence to be normalized in this country. It's wrong. We have to reject political violence with with all the moral clarity and conviction this nation can muster now. Where were they during the summer of 2020 when the streets of America were on fire and cities were smoldering because of the left that was rioting? And where are they now? Uh, While crime is rising in every major city in this country, uh, while they have been and now trying to back out of it, but where they have been leading the charge to defund the police, to defund law enforcement. Uh, Where have they been while the government has been weaponized, be it through the IRS or now through the FBI and the Department of Justice, to come against American citizens? I I don't know that there is any greater fear that a citizen of any country would have that would be greater than their own government being weaponized to come against them. Yet we are now watching this unfold before our very eyes right here for the United States. Uh, Congressman Heiss, we're up against a break. Stick with us because on the other side of the break, I want to talk about something the president repeatedly says. We're in a battle for the soul of our nation. And frankly, that's the one point I agree with him on. But we're going to talk about that next. Congressman Jody Heiss is my guest. He's going to be sticking with me. So I hope you will as well. Don't go away. We're back with more right after this. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, We are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org slash Bible. First Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that verse by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with a prayer guide. To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldview's monthly newsletter, visit frc.org worldview. 
Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose— Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to be back. I'm glad you're with us on this Tuesday afternoon. Again, coming up next week, the Pray Vote Stand Summit in Atlanta, Georgia. If you would like to uh, to join us, now's the time to make your plans. Also, this week, we're giving away a family pass, a complimentary family pass to the summit. Just text the word summit to 67742, 67742 to enter your family in that drawing. Well, on the other side of uh, this segment, first segment, we're talking with Georgia Congressman Jody Heiss about the, the, the divisiveness of the president's speech last week in Philadelphia. This is one of the statements, and the president's kind of made this his theme, and we're hearing this over and over, and I've talked about it before, but he brought it up again last week. Play clip number eight, please. I ran for president because I believe we're in a battle for the soul of this nation. I still believe that to be true. I believe the soul is the breath, the life, and the essence of who we are. Congressman Heiss, I think that's probably something that we could agree with on this president, that we, uh, with this president on, that we are in a battle for the soul of our nation. We are in a battle for the soul of this country. We're in the fight of our life for this country. And I believe uh, now is a time people need to understand that like never before, You know, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? What should the righteous do? That's the question. The difference that we have with the president is he he views the attack for the soul of America uh, as being those who are standing for righteousness, those Mm -hmm. who are standing for our Constitution, those who are standing for the rule of law. And somehow he is turning this whole argument upside down to where his position of fighting for the soul of America is to fight for those things that are in and of themselves destroying our country. It's absolutely a bizarre scenario that we're watching. But it's, yes, and it's, you know, it's saying the words, all the buzzwords that uh, sound good, but in fact, as I said, they're projecting their agenda. They're the ones that can't stand the Constitution, that uh, foment lawlessness. I mean, that is a hallmark of the Democratic Party. But I, I wanted on this issue of the battle for the soul of the nation, if you look at their policies and you look at the indoctrination that's taking place in our schools, yes, you know, I mean, you know, theologically, we know this America as a nation doesn't have a soul. But what they are doing is going after the souls of our children. 
the literal souls of our children with their policies. And this is what should alert and awaken every Christian in this nation, that there is a battle between good and evil. And you look, I'm not talking personalities. All you have to do is look at the policies. Look at the policies being promoted by this administration, and they are damning to the souls of children if they follow the path that's being laid out. No question, Tony. That could not be said any stronger than what you just said. And, you know, Isaiah tells us to to watch out for those who call evil good and good evil. And that is precisely what we're watching with the destruction of the minds and hearts and souls of children across this country. And while you were mentioning that, I was even thinking back during the pandemic how uh, this administration really said that churches were non-essential and that they should close down. They should not even be allowed to meet and gather and pray and encourage one another and help the sick and so on and so forth. You know, this is this is an administration that is doing everything that a Judeo-Christian worldview uh, says should not be done. And this administration is supporting and advancing every agenda and ideology and philosophy that goes against the Christian worldview. And we must understand that it is that Christian worldview that constitutes the very foundation of this country, apart from which this so-called American experiment cannot exist. And so this is a, in that perspective, a fight for the soul, the foundation of our country, the likes of which we've never seen before. And every Bible-believing Christian should take note of those words, pray, vote, and stand. Stand for biblical truth. But Christians need to be registered, and they need to be voting. And, and, and I know you're in Georgia. Uh, you're going to be with us at the Pray, Vote, Stand Summit. And people, I know people are discouraged because of what happened in the last election. But we, have to, we just have to have an election blitz and overwhelm any shenanigans that may take place at the voting booth. That's exactly right. This is the time that the body of Christ needs to have our finest hour, which is being salt and light, which is being engaged through prayer, through action, through voting. Uh, This is the time that it's got to happen. And I am so glad that this conference is coming to Georgia and uh, we're going to do all we can to help encourage people to come be a part of this. Uh, Look, I tell uh, Christians a lot, Tony, that, you know, at the end of the day, all the issues we're facing in this country really come down to spiritual issues, their spiritual problems. And so from that perspective, we are part of the problem as believers, but because we've been absent from so, for so long, but we are the solution. We're the ones, and it's conferences like this that bring people together with an understanding that we must pray, we must stand, we must vote, Uh, And now is the hour, the time for us to do so. We only got about a minute left, uh, Jody, but you led almost 100 members of Congress in signing a letter to Nancy Pelosi, calling her to hold the president accountable for his uh, $500 billion student loan bailout. Very quickly, tell us about that and where it might lead. Yeah, last July, Nancy Pelosi herself came out stating clearly without any wavering whatsoever, that the president does not have the authority to forgive federal student loans. And so we came out in this letter and about 100 of my colleagues uh, reminding her of her own position on this issue. And we invited her to join us in upholding the Constitution, 
the rule of law, the separation of powers between the legislative branch and the executive branch, and to hold the president accountable from doing this unconstitutional act for which he has no legislative or constitutional authority to do. As of yet, uh, not very surprisingly, we have not yet heard from Nancy Pelosi, but hopefully, you know, she'll come around. This is her position. Well, She's just uh, now not saying anything about it. And I, I hope that uh, voters will communicate this and their concern about this to the president at the polls as well, because this is the type of policies that you get with an administration like this. Jody Heiss, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, for being with us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. Uh, all right. Coming up next, the August break is over and Congress, well, they're back in town. What do we got to be watching out for? We're going to be talking with Travis Weber, Vice President of Policy and Government Affairs, next here on Washington Watch. So don't go away. More to come. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us on this Tuesday. The website, TonyPerkins.com. And again, coming up next week in Atlanta, Georgia, I'll be uh, actually broadcasting all week from First Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia, our Pray Vote Stand Summit. And this week, we're going to be giving away a pass, complimentary pass for a whole family. So if you'd like to register for that, text the word SUMMIT to 67742. That's 67742, the word SUMMIT, and register your family for a complimentary pass. As I mentioned, going into uh, to the break, the August recess is over and Congress is back. 
a lot of work to do as they move toward the November election, but a lot of political boxes they want to check. So what can we expect from Congress between now and the election? Well, here to tell us more about it, Travis Weber, Vice President of Policy and Government Affairs. Travis, welcome back to the program. Thank you. Okay, so uh, what is at the top of their agenda? Yeah, so obviously we've been focused on the uh, what they're calling the Respect for Marriage Act, it's actually the Disrespect for Marriage Act. This is the attempt by Congress to uh, codify, put in legislation, same-sex marriage, repeal the Defense of Marriage Act. And as we know, this has a host of problems for religious liberty. So Family Research Council has been at the front end of of ensuring that everyone knows the problems we have with this bill and ensuring that it is not successfully passed a Congress for a host of reasons that we've seen unfold over over the past number of years, Tony, since same-sex marriage was constitutionalized by the court, a number of other things on our issues, but that's kind of the one we're leading off with in September. Yeah, it, it could come this week. There's some discussion now. They know they're, they're going to have some difficulty with this because, folks, quite frankly, you've been doing your job. Uh, I know this because I've talked to some um, senators and some congressmen who have heard from you during the break that, look, you don't want this, you don't, you know the threat that this poses to religious freedom, and so you've been communicating with that, and some of them are hearing. But we've got to continue that message of the threat that this is, among many things, but religious freedom is really at the top. Yeah, I mean, Tony, we've, we've seen this unfold over the past number of years. Small businesses being put under the gun by governments force them to compromise their faith in order to continue operating. The threat to nonprofits, religious schools. The tax exemption issue is key here because, as President Obama's Solicitor General reminded us all that oral argument in Obergefell, it's going to be an issue if the court went ahead and constitutionalized same-sex marriage, which it did. So if this bill passes, it would lend fuel to the fire for those claiming that uh, there is a national public policy on same-sex marriage, because it's legislatively passed, very different from the court's erroneous decision that we've been living with, but false, you know, not unconstitutional decision that, that claim right. there's a constitutional right. Here, the people's representatives are passing a law. That, that's why this is very concerning. And then that's going to be used to threaten it, it tax will, It status. will accelerate what we've seen over the last seven years since the Obergefell decision, where people, you know, the left will say, hey, we have the Congress behind us on this. Right. And so anyone who does not celebrate and embrace same-sex marriage it's legitimate to go after. Right. It's open season on those bigoted, mega Republicans. Well, and, and as President Biden reminded us, the issues that, that we all care about, issues of concern to social conservatives, life, family, and freedom, are squarely in the sights of political our political yeah. opponents. This bill is exhibit number one. We're going to see more of that, though. You have Democrats on the House side claiming they need female veterans to show up and testify to the need for abortion for services. We've seen the Biden administration ignoring the law and claiming to implement a a final interim rule that will allow for abortion uh, uh, furtherance through the Veterans Administration and, in some cases, on uh, VA facilities. So on this marriage uh, bill, the what they call the Respect for Marriage Act, folks, yeah. is, you need to call your senators and tell them to oppose this. And there's they're doing some things to try to overcome the opposition. One is they're working on a couple of amendments to address religious freedom. Those are hollow efforts because religious freedom, a lot of them are going to try to carve out for religious institutions, churches, so churches won't be forced to do. The First Amendment is not for institutions. It's for individuals. 
And there is this clash. We've seen it. I don't I do not see a way to reconcile true religious freedom, the ability to live your faith with codifying a redefinition of marriage into federal statute. Tony, there's there's a host of problems with this, and we've only been able to touch on a few of them here. But we have all these in our materials at FRC.org slash defend marriage. But as you noted, it, it, it's a right that goes across society. So people in the workplace, small business owners, religious schools, other religious nonprofits, in addition to ch- churches um, and, and the ability of pastors and congregations to exercise their faith, these are all areas of religious freedom concern. Um, and and there, there is a conflict that has been set in motion by the push to legitimize and and claim in policy that that we are going to advance and support this right. And now anyone opposed standing in opposition to that is their rights are being overridden. Yeah. So don't uh, don't buy any of the stuff that these amendments are going to fix the problems. And so the switchboard number to the U.S. Capitol to talk to your senator, 202-224-3121. That's 202-224-3121 to, uh, to contact your member of the Senate. Now, one of the other tactics that we're hearing about is they may connect it or attach it to the continuing resolution uh, for funding, which funds yep. the government. Yeah, so, Tony, I mean, we, as we know, we need uh, the, the federal government needs to pass funding authorizations by the end of September. Um, th- you know, th- this could be an, an something that happens where they, they say, well, we're going to try to attach this to the funding bills to get it passed. Still, obviously, unacceptable, whether yeah. a standalone vote or attached to funding bills. All right, Travis Weber, I know you're going to keep an eye on that and keep our folks uh, informed. All right, will do. All right, uh, and coming back next after the break, we're going to be talking about California telling uh, gasoline manufactured cars not welcome, but those who have electric cars, well, they can't plug them in because they don't have enough electricity. So what are you going to be do? Walk? You have to walk? We're going to talk about that with Chuck DeVore, former assemblyman in California, and also going to get an update from FRC Action from Brent Kylan. Don't go away. We're back with more right after this. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742 and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. 
With just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND to 67742. That's STAND to 67742. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins. Good to be back here in Washington on the set here at Washington Watch, and good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Right, a lot has been happening over the last month, and, and I'm, I'm going to be talking probably all week and next week about the president's speech because he continues to give portions of that speech as he uh, you know, is on the campaign trail. It was a political speech, and I didn't even get into the fact that he had two Marines standing behind him. And as a Marine veteran, and um, I, I, I hate the fact, I, I, actually, I find it deplorable that he would use the military as a prop for this political speech that attacks half of America. It, it was very subtle, but what he was communicating there was, I have the military behind me, backing me up. Don't get in my way. And I think a key part of that speech, as I listened to it and read it, was that this is about voter suppression, right? I want to play one of the clips, another clip, before I bring in my next guest, clip number seven. MAGA Republicans look at America and see carnage and darkness and despair. They spread fear and lies, lies told for profit and power. Again, uh, you'll hear me say this a lot, but projection, they're the ones that were spreading fear with the whole coronavirus Fear, because they can control us with fear. So they're projecting what they're doing onto Republicans. But this was about, in part, voter suppression, because all this stuff about mega Republicans and, you know, basically marginalizing, demonizing anyone who would vote conservative. And so what do people do? They back up. They don't vote. Well, that's the last thing you need to do. In fact, we need to redouble our efforts when it comes to voter registration, voter education, and voter turnout. I mean, we need, as I mentioned earlier, a blitz at the polls in November to overwhelm the shenanigans that we know they're going to be engaged in. And joining me now to talk a little bit more about this, Brent Kylan, Vice President of FRC Action. Brent, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Tony. Good to be with you. 
So it's clear that this term mega Republicans has been poll tested. Uh, They've probably done focus groups because we've seen Schumer use this uh, for quite some time now. Um, Do you see this the same way that there's an effort here to try to suppress conservative engagement in the election? Uh, I think undoubtedly, Tony. I think it's on one hand trying to suppress one base and also trying to motivate the other base. And the fact that they're taking the speech uh, on the road, if you will, this has become a recurring theme, tells uh, tells us this is something we are going to be hearing a lot of over the next two months. So how should we respond to this? You know, I Tony, this is such an important election for us to be engaged in. You can't be intimidated. We have got to get out and vote. You know, we could go through, you know, so many different points, but um, I, I cannot think of an election where there have been this many levels of races on the ballot that are this important. We talk about the Senate being split 50-50. We talk about just six votes in the U.S. House deciding the majority. But then you look at these these state races and now with the uh, the post Roe v. Wade environment, you know, these legislatures and governors are having a huge uh, opportunity to advance pro-life legislation. You look at school boards, you look at secretaries of state with the election integrity issue surfacing. Every single level is high stakes and we absolutely can't take the bait and be intimidated. We cannot sit this one out. It's too important. Nor can we kind of rest on the success of uh, of our efforts over the last 49 years that led to the Dobbs case. In fact, I was I mentioned this earlier today. I was thinking about it this morning. It's kind of like the um, D-Day, the huge success, largest uh, in um, amphibious assault in, in, in the history of, of warfare, put the, the Germans on their heels. But then, you know, within uh, just a couple of months, the Germans had regrouped and had put the Allied forces on their heels and the Battle of the Bulge ensued. And, and I think this is very much the same. I think we, we cannot be overconfident here that we've won this major Um, effort when it came to the sanctity of human life. Yes, it's been years in the making. Yes, a lot has gone into that, as we've talked about, but the work is far from over. We need to be registering people to vote in our churches. Mm -hmm. We need to be educating them what's on the ballot and turning them out. Now, I I know a lot of questions I got during the break as I was traveling, speaking different places. All right, what's the congressional elections look like going into the fall? You know, um, Tony, I think the Senate is going to be close. You know, in my opinion, there's probably five key U.S. Senate races that are toss-up right now that's going to be very, very important if you're in one of those states. But at the U.S. House level, also important. I, most uh, most experts, most pundits are still predicting that the GOP will take the House. I'm seeing um, guesses anywhere between 20 to upper 30s in terms of number of seats. But, Tony, also, anything can happen. You know, between now and uh, and that that first uh, week in November, you know, yeah, you, no foregone right. conclusions. Right. Um, yeah, there, there's just so much you can't take anything for granted right now. But what we can control is our own engagement in the process. That's right. We can be registered, and we can be voting. We can be informed first, and then we can and vote. I mean, as Americans, I said this before. I'll say it again. As Americans, we have a right to vote, but I believe as Christians, we have a responsibility right. to vote. What resources do we have available to uh, to help 
in that process of voter registration and voter education. If you go to our website, frcaction.org, there's a couple of key resources you can find there. Just go to voter resources. Number one, you'll find voter guides. So uh, we have voter guides for all 50 states, at least at the federal level. If it's not out for the general election in your state, it will be. So you can find that there. Uh, We're working in the I Voter Guide Coalition for that. Also, Tony, you mentioned the importance of voter registration. It's, It's kind of a astounding when you realize how many millions of people, millions of Christians still are not even registered. They can't even participate in the process. So go there. There's a voter registration info there as well for your state. You can figure out that process for your state, what that looks like. And and folks, I would encourage you, ask your pastor uh, if you can do a voter registration drive at your church. Uh, We've got uh, resources available for you to do that at your church as well. And there's other, there's family policy councils and others that can help you with that. But, but inquire, ask your pastor if you can do a voter registration. Brent, I know we're going to be talking a lot over the next couple of months. So always great to see you. You too, Tony. Thanks. All right. Well, as I mentioned at the top of the program last week, the Biden administration was holding up California as a model because the California Air Resources Board voted to eliminate the sale of gasoline and diesel-powered vehicles by the summer of 2035. Now, that's kind of incredible. I mean, that's a very short period of time. Well, at the same time that they're making this announcement over the Labor Day weekend, they were telling people, hey, um, don't plug in your electric cars because our power grid can't handle it. And now, uh, as of today... Uh, There are these uh, threats of uh, blackouts in California because they are facing a heat wave that is driving up the demand of energy. Now, to me, this lacks common sense. But I don't think I'm alone. Joining me now to talk more about this, former California Assemblyman Chuck DeVore. Chuck, welcome back to the program. Great to be with you again. Chuck, this just... This doesn't pass the smell test. I mean, you, you're telling people you're going to eliminate gasoline-powered vehicles, but at the same time, you turn around and tell them, oh, we don't have enough power for those of you who already have electric vehicles to plug them in. I mean, it sounds like we're getting the cart before the horse. Well, absolutely. This uh, policy from the very beginning was driven by ideology. And as I've been fond of pointing out over the uh, now, unfortunately, some 15 to 16 years, uh, physics doesn't care about ideology. The, the electric grid is based on harsh math. And either you've got generation to meet demand, or you don't. Either you have the transmission lines uh, to get the uh, from the generation to where the demand is, or you don't. Uh, California has been, as you said, putting the cart before the horse. This is all about ideology, and it's not about actually running a modern uh, industrial society. But there's something even more alarming about it. I mean, again, this, this just lacks common sense. It's, it's, uh, I, I'm, and look, I'm not against green energy. I love the environment. I love to be outdoors. I don't like pollution. I've been to countries that have pollution. However, I think we've made tremendous progress using technology to clean our air and our water, and I think we should continue down that path as well. But I don't think that we should drive up cost artificially by eliminating a reliable source of energy. But there's something else that's even more alarming than that, Chuck, and you've actually written about this, and this is while China is, uh, you know, getting ready for war 
and uh, they're using coal and they're building more coal power plants and they're doing everything they can to consume and acquire energy. We're focused on chasing this green dream that is making us vulnerable. That's correct, Tony. Something uh, dawned on me a few weeks ago as I was doing research uh, coming out of this uh, ban on internal combustion engines uh, that California's Air Resources Board promulgated. And I started kind of pulling together some research I'd done in the past, including uh, some of my scholarship on World War II and some of the uh, energy concerns that drove that conflict. Uh, and I realized, uh, quite to my uh, surprise, uh, unfortunately, more, more like alarm, uh, that a lot of China has been doing is posturing their actions, uh, kind of cloaking them in this green rhetoric. But if you look at what they're actually doing, they're building coal-fired power plants as rapidly as they can. China surpassed our consumption of coal around 2006, and they've never looked back. So we were equal in our use of coal to generate electricity around 2006. Today, China generates 5.3 times more electricity from coal than do we. And, Tony, they have plans to create more than the entire U.S. grid's uh, production of electricity by coal just in the next few years. So they'll be probably up to six or seven times the amount of coal we use to generate electricity very soon. And Chuck, they're probably going to be using that coal-provided energy to build the batteries and the solar panels that the U.S. is buying from them. Well, yes, and that's not all. Uh, the thing that really began to alarm me, when you look at uh, common assumptions about what the U.S. can do to deter China's more aggressive behavior, for example, uh, an attack on Taiwan or on our ally Japan, it's always been assumed that the U.S. Navy, uh, with its allies like Japan, could quickly shut down China's ability to run its economy by importing oil. Uh, China, like we do, has a strategic petroleum reserve. Uh, depending on uh, what your assumptions are, it would last anywhere from 90 to 200 days. Uh, and after that, you would assume that China would be out of business. However, and here's where things got scary you begin to realize that China's very aggressive adoption of electric vehicles is really more so to substitute their coal uh, for imported oil. In other words, those electric vehicles in China are coal-fired electric vehicles. Uh, and the other thing they're doing, uh, Tony, is they're taking a page from Germany's uh, playbook before World War II, is they're beginning to massively invest in coal-to-liquid technology. Now, this is something that's been around for 100 years, but basically you can use coal to create very high-quality fuels and lubricants, and they're beginning to do that right now as well. And so these assumptions we've had about cutting off China, I don't think they're operative anymore. I don't think that they would uh, collapse if we were to somehow blockade their imports of oil. Well, uh, mentioning that, we've talked about this uh, back uh, a month or so ago on the program where out of our strategic reserve, which is supposed to be there, our oil reserve, when we face a national crisis, which we're now depleting to try to drive down the price of oil that has been driven up by bad policy, we're actually selling some of that to China. And they're adding to their strategic reserve as we're depleting ours. I mean, this, 
I just you, you can't I, I cannot comprehend how someone can drive this type of of policy that is benefiting someone who has declared that they are an adversary of ours. Well, right, and it's uh, being uh, basic, basically used up pretty quickly. Um, now, this policy did begin several years ago. Republicans controlled the House, and when we were uh, rapidly achieving energy dominance, not just energy independence, but rapidly achieving energy dominance. And uh, uh, under Biden's policies, of course, that's been reversed. And you see uh, people who are in the oil and gas industry have pulled back on some of their investment. They were uncertain. There was regulatory risk. And so you see U.S. production declining. And what the president and his advisors are trying to do is simply drive down the price of oil to win a midterm election. And in so doing, putting us, I think, in a very vulnerable position uh, from a national security standpoint. This is this is unconscionable what is happening right now with America's Strategic Petroleum Reserve. And unfortunately, too many people are not paying attention to it. They, they don't look beyond the price at the pump to the bad policies that are driving this and the policies that are putting our nation at risk. Chuck, uh, DeVore, always great to see you. Thanks so much for uh, taking time to join us today. And uh, by the way, you can see uh, more about Chuck uh, and what he's written on as it pertains to this issue of energy policy. Go to TonyPerkins.com, and there's contact information there for all of our guests and links to resources that are available. Again, coming up next week, Pray Vote Stand Summit. I want to encourage you to uh, make plans now to attend. Find out more. Go to PrayVoteStand.org slash summit. And again, if you'd like to enter the drawing to win a pass for your family. Text the word summit to 67742. Until next time, I leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand. By all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at one 866 372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.